Open up the Bible, searching for salvation and survival. I went from sinning to winning in Romans 5, y'all, because even though I'm a sinner, Christ died, y'all, and it's a different sin, same story. I mean, we all fall short of his glory. I read that in Romans 3, verse 23. The next verse, I was justified freely. Mm. Let me tell you what that really means. See, I was filthy in his eyes. Now I'm really clean because now he sees Christ instead of seeing me. Now I'm walking around living life debt free. I mean, what you think we preach the good news for? Got to give him hope because these times be rough. But is it good news if I got to do something? If you got to add to it, then Christ ain't enough. Pick your, put your works down. Ryan, pick your faith up. He gave it to you as a gift. Pick your grace up. Ephesians 2.8 got me on my face crying because I realized my faith ain't even mine. It's not the will or the work of the man trying, but by the mercy of God, that's Romans 9. So when these false Christians come, this is my reply. If I had to do something, why did Christ die? And if it ain't up to me, then it was all him. And if it ain't up to you, then it was all him him. And if that's really, really true, that it's all him, then you got to ask yourself, why not them? Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Let's get busy. Hey, give it up for the online family too. What's up online family? What up Holly and Nathan? How y'all doing? Yo, I'm already sweating, losing my voice. Y'all know how it is. I never have a voice by second service. So y'all just used to it by now, right? Ah, uh, all right, somebody, Ryan, you have to teach me like some vocal lessons so I can do this. Okay, we'll work on that. All right. Hey, my name is Rashad Cunningham. If this is your first time here, we are so grateful that you are here. We don't believe it's anything that we've done to get you to come into these doors. We believe God nudged you somehow, some way, and brought you here. So we are literally just here to be with you, to serve you, and serve those who are here that are members as well. We believe that this is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So if you think that you're around a whole bunch of people that are looking at you, they're probably looking at you to figure out how they can take you to lunch. Not because you're here. That's not what it is. Um, I do this thing every, 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 every time I get into it. I say, hey, uh, good morning, Mercy Road. You say, good morning, Rashad. There are some false teachers among you who call me radish. Don't listen to them. They're false teachers. That's okay. We're praying for them. Hospital for sinners. I do that because, not because of me. I do that to make sure that you're ready for the word of God. So let's try it real quick. Good morning, Mercy Road. Yeah, like that was really lazy. You actually got the name right. I was very excited about that. But, but like, we're about to listen to the word of God, right? The word of God. Like the, the, the message of salvation is in this word. We're about to open up the word. So I need to know you're a little bit more excited about the word of God. Good morning, Mercy Row. Good morning, Yeah, there it is. There it is. And so here we go. Um, Josh started this series, Why Not Them? And last week in Acts 11, he was looking at Gentiles and pagans, and it wasn't just about like a difference in ethnicity, but a difference in culture or anything that makes somebody a them to you. And he was like, why not them? And to be completely honest with you, he took all the good stuff last week, like all the stuff I would have preached this week. I was watching, I was watching, I was like, amen, amen, no, this is all the good points, like all the good stuff. And so this week I've been in this place of like, like repentance and walking through this word. And as I've been walking through it, uh, God's really been working on my heart for who the thems used to be in my life. And, and I just want to say this. I'm a pastor. I get to preach, praise God, amen. But this platform means nothing. I'm still a part of the flock. And there's times when I'm preaching that I'm like literally sitting next to you and I'm preaching to myself and you just get to hear this conversation I'm having with myself. I don't even know if that comes out right, but that's, that's what's going on right now, right? I'm in this beautiful place of having this conversation with myself and growing in Acts 13. So please give me grace, but I'm really excited about this message. And so uh, let me start off with this. I have a beautiful daughter named Genesis. She's in college. She goes to Indiana State. Any Indiana State people in here? 
Yep, that's why she goes to Indiana State. All right, that works. All right. Should have went to Michigan. Anyway, anyway. So, 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 um, there's this thing in my family. My mother and my grandma, they got this saying. They say, my nostrils are flared. And I never knew, yeah, right, I, like, as, as a six and seven-year-old, I'm like, what does that even mean? And I found that they were normally said either when they were playing cards and somebody lost its spades or, or when they were mad at me about something, right? And so as I grew up, I started understanding, like, nostrils flared mean you were mad, you were upset. And so at, like, the age of 16, I couldn't wait to have my own child so I could, like, say the saying, my nostrils are flared. And so I have Genesis, and she's beautiful, and she's amazing. She starts flaring my nostrils around four, five, six. By the time she becomes a teenager, my nostrils are flared, right? And so I called my mom and my grandma, because I had to try twice. I called my mom. I couldn't wait. Ring, 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 ring. Mom picks up the phone, right, Deja? Mom picks up the phone. I'm like, Mama. Let me tell you what your granddaughter did. And y'all know how that works. Like with me and my wife, Brittany, when she does something bad, she goes, you know what your daughter did? And then when she does something good, she's like, you know what our child did, right? So I called my mom. I'm like, hey, mama, let me tell you what your granddaughter did. And I would tell the story. And right when I'm getting to that moment of saying, my nostrils are flared, my mom would cut me off and interrupt. I, 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 hold on, hold on. Rashad, you must not remember how you were when you were that age. Now my nostrils are really flared, right? Because I want to hear all that. And then I would hang up like, Mama, never, I got to go, I got to go, I got something to do. I call my grandma, Grandma, let me tell you what your great-granddaughter did. And I tell the story, and then she goes, Rashad, you must not remember, right, how you were at her age. Don't y'all hate that? Like when it's like, yeah, I don't want to remember. And, but, but, why does that even matter in this sermon? Like, why does that matter? Because as I looked at Josh talking about the pagans and the Gentiles and, you know, the people that should never be a them and why not them, I started asking myself, well, what about Christians even make somebody them to us to where we say not them? And what I've come to find is in that moment of calling my mama and wanting to say my nostrils are flared, when she tells me to remember, I can't say much about Genesis because then I start to remember where I come from, Right? And in Christian, oh, right, uh-huh. In Christianity, in Christianity, when I see a beautiful church like this where people gather, but uh, where people like have thems in their lives, they've forgotten. They've simply forgotten. And so today, the question we're gonna ask is, will you remember? Will you remember, right? And so we're gonna be in Acts 13, verse 1. And I got to, like, I will say it again. Oh, I'm a little bit ahead of time. I get 23 minutes to try to preach like a chapter and a half to you. It's not going to work. What that means is you need to go home and read your Bible. <laughs> you need to go home and see if the things I'm saying are true. You need to go let God speak to you. I am here to give you an appetizer to open it up to help you understand some things so that you go home and do it for yourself. Amen, somebody. Amen? Amen. All right, so here we go. Check it out. Acts 13, verse 1. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius who of Siren, and Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they were sent down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So the first point is going to be this. What do we need to remember? We need to remember our selection. 
We need to remember our selection. Anybody ever had children in rec league or anything like that, like rec league basketball, rec league something? I got, my daughter, I used to coach rec league basketball, and I would never forget the girls who would like brag to the other girls that they were on the rec, that they made the rec league team. And like they were nasty about it. Like they would go to school and tease the girl. Hey, I'm on the rec league team. And I had to tell my girls, I was like, look here, boo boo, let me explain something to you. <laughs> um, you're on the team because your parents signed you up. <laughs> There's nothing you did to make the rec league team. Your parents signed you up, and so you were selected for the team because your parents signed you up. Going over there and teasing them little girls about what they're not and how they don't play ball, it, you have nothing to brag about. This is not like the varsity team. This is rec league, right? Like, bring it down a notch, right? And so when I read this passage in Acts 13:1, could you imagine if Barnabas or Simeon or Lucius or Manan or Saul was like, yeah, I'm a prophet and a teacher at the Antioch church, right? It's like, you must have forgot that you didn't select you. And in Christianity today, a lot of pastors, worship leaders, or just Christians in general feel some type of way walking around thinking that they had something to do with their selection or that they had something to do with their position in the church or that they had something to do with their gifting. And so they look down and say, not them. They could never, they could never, because they've forgotten their selection themselves. Amen? Amen. Check this out. Barnabas he was a Jew from Cyprus. So maybe it was his Jewish heritage of why he was a prophet or a teacher. Nope, it wasn't that. Lush, uh, excuse me, the next one, Simeon. He was also known as Niger. Niger literally means black. So we can assume he was black. I mean, I don't know why you'd walk around calling somebody black. Hey, what's up, black? It's like he's probably black, right? So, so was it because of his blackness that he was a prophet or a teacher? No, probably not. Then you have Lucius of Cyrene. Maybe it was his geographical location. Or maybe it was this guy, Manan, who grew up with the guy that, that cut off the head of John the Baptist and it was social status. Or maybe it was Saul. Yes, yeah, Saul, the one that used to kill Christians. Do you see where I'm going with this? All these different backgrounds, all these different like, like ethnicities and all these different cultural whatever, and they were all prophets and teachers, and they had nothing to do with them and everything to do with him. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we actually forget that. See, you have thems in your life because you have forgotten about your selection. I mean, at some point, you were somebody's them. Think about it. This, work, this church has been alive for 10 years, right? If you were saved here, if you came back to God here, if you had anything here where this church is ministered to you, God had to choose somebody, Josh and them, and send them out by the Holy Spirit to plant a church for you. You were somebody's them. If Josh didn't say, why not them, we're not here. Think about that. So where do we get to a place of looking at anybody and saying, not them? Please, please, I'm waiting. You can interact. You can inter Nobody? Nobody. Exactly. There is no reason that you should have a them that you say no to. Because if it weren't for Jesus in heaven looking down and seeing that you could do nothing for yourself and pouring himself out of heaven, not grasping onto what he had, pouring himself in the flesh, living a perfect life and dying on the cross for you, you would still be them, boo-boo. Right? You would still be them, the same thems that you're pointing to. That's who you would be if it were not for Christ. So why not them? You've forgotten the selection. You have forgotten that you yourself did nothing to save yourself. 
And so when we forget, this is what happens. We start looking at people according to our measurements and our standards. And when we look at them according to our measurements and our standards, they don't live up to our measurements and our standards. And so we say, not them. Or perhaps you flip it and it's the other way around. No, Rashad, I don't judge everybody else. I'm looking at myself and I'm saying, not me for them. I'm saying not them because it's not me. It's me. But once again, Paul, Saul, he was killing Christians. Now he's a leader of the Christian church. Why not you? Why not you? Why not Mercy Road? Why not us? And so it goes on, and look at this. It says, when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus, which is like son of salvation. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, which proconsul is like a governor of Cyprus. And it says he was a man of intelligence, and he summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, you, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And then he had him go blind. Now, here's the, here's the next part. Remember our struggle. See, first, remember your selection. Right? Like we just said, like you being a Christian has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. You being in any position to do anything you do is all about him. But then remember our struggle. Another reason we don't make disciples, another reason that we see thems in our lives is because we look at them and we see a struggle that it, it, it would cost us something to go after them. And so because it would cost us something to go after them, we back off and say, not them. You, you see, uh, any door of opportunity for the kingdom includes opposition for the kingdom. And in this moment, there's a door of opportunity. Sergius Paulus would have been the governor. He's the highest ranking official at this island that they've been sent to called Cyprus, right? And he summons them, right? That's God. They didn't do something to get in front of the governor. The governor summoned them. But imagine if they're like, first of all, me, how could I reach the governor? Right? Like, like he's of high position. And so since I'm looking at him according to the flesh and looking at myself according to the flesh, and I'm not remembering that I was chosen and sent out by God in the first place, now um, there's no way that I could reach them. See that? But second of all, look who he hangs out with. This false prophet that knows more than me, blah, 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 blah. He's twisting the scriptures. I'm scared of him, whatever. And we don't remember our struggle. But if we just remembered our struggle... Our struggle is literally our strength and our strategy. Literally, you were selected to struggle. The Bible says, literally, that you were not only granted salvation, you were granted suffering. How does that make sense, Rashad? Well, see, it's in our struggle that we actually get to know Jesus deeper than we've ever known him before. Right? Right? It's crazy. Like, I don't, I don't want to jump over this. I'm just going to tell you the story. You got to go read it for yourself. But in Acts 14, in Acts 14, which is right after this chapter, he goes into this place called Lystra. And he goes in and he heals a man. And when he heals a man, uh, the enemy, if he doesn't try to, to persecute you, he'll praise you to try to get you to, you know, fall away. But, but they try to make him God. And, and Paul's like, no, I'm not a God. And he tears his clothes. And so they end up stoning him. They kill him. Um, they pray. The brothers pray over him. He, he resuscitates. And what does he do? He goes back into Lystra. Who goes back to the place where they just killed you? Right? Who does that? And then he leaves, and when he comes back uh, through his journey, he stops in Lystra again and to tell them that through, through, through tribulations, through much suffering, is how we enter the kingdom. See, you have to remember the struggle. 
If we're actually going to get out here and win a million people for Christ, if we're actually going to go up to Anderson and win that town over, if we're actually going to get into our neighborhoods and win, there's going to be struggle because that's the strategy of Jesus. There was no resurrection without a grave. There was no crown without a cross. You want to be just like your disciple, just like your teacher, just like your Savior? He left you footsteps to follow in. So when we struggle, we know him like we've never known him before. I will never forget this, y'all. Remember last year with all the racial stuff that was going on, right? You had, you had the Black Lives Matter and you had Blue Lives Matter. You had police brutality. You had kneel for the flag. You had all, all the stuff that was black, white. All, I was right here because I... Understand as an African-American everything that's wrong with this country for black people. I get it. But I also pastor my brothers and sisters in law enforcement, and I get it, right? I, I, I went to the Navy, so I stand for the flag, but I understand why they're kneeling, but I also understand that people died for that flag. So I'm right here saying this is where Jesus is at. And I'm trying to bring people from there to here and people from there to here, all in the love of Jesus. But you know what happened? I started going to my own. African-American brothers, and they would not receive me because I wouldn't take their side. I started going to police officers, and they would not receive me because I wouldn't take their side, and I found myself right here with Jesus. And when I read John 1.14, I learned something about Jesus that I never knew before. When I read John, it, it, said, it, said, it said, and he went to his own, and his own did not receive him. I used to read that passage and just say, whatever. Didn't mean nothing to me. But after I, after I suffered the way that he suffered, after I went to my own, after I went to Christians, after I went to police officers, after I went to African-Americans, after I went to white people, after I went, and realized that I was right here because many wouldn't receive me, then I understood my Lord and Savior like never before. And it made me say, why not them? Why not them? It didn't push me away forever. It made me say, why not them? Because now I understand that I was them for him. I was the opposition for him. I remember all the years that I did not receive the message of Jesus Christ for and he still died on the cross for me. So why not them? If he did it for me, why not them? Amen? Amen. All right, so here we are. Remember our selection. Remember our uh, uh, struggle. But then remember our story. Later on in the scriptures, when you get to uh, 13, 16, look at this. He says, Paul stood up in the synagogue, motioning with his hand, men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers. You see that? God chose the fathers, and he made the people great while they were slaves in Egypt. He made the people great. And then it goes down, and it says, uh, after these things, in verse 20, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul of you know, the tribe of Benjamin, which was like the littlest tribe of all. And after he had removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king. Do y'all know who David was? David was an adulterer. David was a murderer, and this was a man after God's own heart. And so anytime that you just remember the simple story, which means you got to read your Bible, you got to read your Bible, okay? But if you remember the simple story, if you just go back and read the Old Testament, what you'll see is this theme of people that you and I, if they live today, we will call them the thems. We'd say not David, not Saul. We'd say not Abraham. Y'all know Abraham, the father of faith, like lied about his wife being his wife and said it was his sister and he's the father of faith, right? Like, but this is who God chose, his choice had nothing to do with them, everything to do with him. So when you look at somebody and don't choose them, you're literally trying to tell God he don't know what he's doing when he put that person in front of you. Why not them? Have you read the stories? The theme of the Bible is taking the broken and using them. It's taking darkness and making light. Look at your own story. 
Whether you are over here with that tangible testimony of being scarface and you overcame being scarface and was led to Christ, or down here where you've been in, in, in that beautiful testimony of knowing God your entire life, even then your theology should tell you, but even you were a sinner just like the scarface dude down here, and all of y'all needed the same solution. So who's them to you? Who's them? And why not them? Second to last point. So we got selection. We got struggle. We got story. We need to remember our solution. Remember our solution. In Acts 13, 26, it says, Brethren, sons of the Abraham family, and those among you who fear God, to us the message of salvation has been sent. What is that message? That everybody in this room, I do this almost every time I preach because it's the gospel message. Every single one of y'all, everybody say all of y'all. Everybody say, everybody named mama in them. They all struggle with that one. <laughs> everybody named mama, I didn't even know how you say that. But look at this. Everybody in this room, every single one of you, are sinners. Sinners when you were, you were born sinners. And so the solution for you, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your tax bracket, regardless of your geographical location, regardless of, of your education level, regardless of your family pedigree, regardless of the county you live in, regardless of the car you drive, regardless of where, like the house you live in or the house you don't live in, every single one of you have the exact same problem. That is the that's how this message starts. It puts everybody on equal footing. So how can you look at anybody and say, not them? You would have to literally forget the solution. And if you've believed in that solution, how do you walk out here? I ask myself every Sunday, like if we're here and we're sweating and we're preaching and we're singing and we're worshiping and we're saying, you can have my heart. And if he said it, we believe it and all that. And then we go out and we point to somebody and say, not them. Then what were you listening to? I don't think I'm a good preacher, but I think I'm clear. <laughs> I might not be good, but it, I, I mean, I, I keep it, I make it as plain as possible. Everybody, everybody, whoever, all people. Sorry, I was trying to buy time. All right. Everybody is a sinner in need of the same solution. And that solution is Jesus Christ. It says there's nothing in your nature that would even choose him. So he had to look and say, why not them? Come down and die on the cross for you and I, Period. So to say not them is to literally not believe the gospel. It's to forget the solution. Have you forgotten the solution? And so that brings me to my last point. If you haven't forgotten the solution, or if you remember the solution, then you have to remember our Savior. You have to remember our Savior. You see, we're about, when I finish, we're going to sing this song called Remember, right? It's, it's uh, like it's, my final point is the song, right? Like gives me extra time. This is what happens. I remember before I got out here, those of you who live in Hamilton County and my, my first rooted group, my rooted family, the Hub Life, they'll tell you, y'all were my them. I didn't want to come out here at all. Why? I looked at the outside. That's why. I looked at them. It was either one thing. It was, it was either on the outside, they've got it all materialistically and look at their lives in Midtown and Hamilton County, the bubble. Oh, they've got it all. They got these big churches. They don't need me, Father. Not them. Not them. 
On the outside also, it was, well, I'm looking at myself on the outside. They'll never listen to the dude that's done all this stuff in the past that you guys have heard about, and, or the dude that is black, to be honest with you, or the dude that's not as educated as them. Or the dude. I looked at myself on the outside. And so between looking at you on the outside and looking at myself on the outside, for many, many years, you were them to me. And so I would never come out to Hamilton County to pastor. I might come do a, a sermon, but I ain't staying that long. I'm just going to keep it real with you, right? But if you being 100% honest, a lot of you say the same things about people in Marion County. I would never go down to Marion County. Look how they treat each other and look at the crime and the violence and they put themselves in that position and look how they are. A lot of you, that's who your thems are. Some of you, it's the neighbor who doesn't agree with your political stances. It's the Facebook person. It's the uh, superintendent of a school. It's like, you, you, I'm, I'm hoping that you see that when we look at them or if we look at ourselves, we have every reason to say, not them. This song says, this is our savior. Look at him. See, see what put me out here was me looking at Jesus. And when I got out here and got to actually be intimate with the people I used to call them, I started seeing them was just like me. They were sinners in need of the same savior, the same solution, who came from the same stories and had the same selection. And that's why I'm here today. So think about this. If you can be somebody's them, and it took me looking at my Savior to be out here with you, and you've told me yourselves that I've been a blessing in your lives or a blessing to this community or a blessing to the church, then how much more of a blessing could you be for whoever you're calling them right now? This is our Savior. Look at him. The, word, the words talk about how if you just think and remember the 39 lashes, the nails in the hand, the wounds on the back, him on the cross, if you just look at Jesus, stop looking at them and stop looking at yourself and look at Jesus. If you just look at Jesus, how can you not remember what he did for you? Are you that busy? Are you that disgusted? Do you know what the Bible says about you? The Bible says that even your righteous deeds, Christian, without Jesus was filthy minstrel rags. Disgusting. But you look at people and you're disgusted by them and so you don't go to them. That makes no sense. So when do we actually live out what we believe? See, this is why we're asking you to go to Anderson. This, this, it's this right here. It's not just another event. It's, it's not just, let's keep you busy and keep doing events. We literally, I, I, let, me, let me be completely honest with you. When I first got here and I heard about the Anderson thing, I said, why? Why Anderson? Like I had all these other things. Why Anderson? And I told Josh, I said, bro, I can't preach about something I don't believe in. So you know what I did? I went to Anderson. And I spent the day in Anderson by myself. And when I went up there to Anderson and spent the day up there, guess what I found out? I came back home saying, why not Anderson? 
All I saw was people looking for hope. I talked to, I talked to people at the Lemon Drop who were serving me. I went to the Jackrabbit, and as I saw these people, I saw more and more just people who were like, yeah, it's just a place that has lost a lot of hope because of the things that have happened to the economy. It'd be neat if somebody came out here and was actually here for us. And I came back saying, why not them? And I can't wait to get up there next week. Why? Not for the show and for the, no, no, no. To, to just show them that we're really all in about them. Because we're thinking to ourselves, why not them? It's just a drive, right? And so who's the them in your lives? Like, let's put Anderson to the side. Maybe you can't make it next week. Maybe you got whatever excuses you got. Cool, no problem. What about the workplace? Who's them? Okay, those of you who are still in school, what about school? Who's them? Who's, whose lunch table is them? Who's them? Or, or, or who's that person that is just in your rhythm? You go walk in, they go walk in, you happen to see them, but you've never talked to them because they're too tatted up or too many things in their nose, or maybe they're not tatted up at all and they just look like, ugh, right? Like, who gives you the ick? Yeah, go talk to them. Why? Because why not them? If they're in your position, I mean, if they're, if they're, if they're in your proximity, if God has put them on your path, why not them? Why not them? Because you were them for somebody. Somebody saw you and said, why not you? I mean, our whole church is built on it, y'all. We got like students leading adult worship. Why not them? We got a dude up here in a Niners jersey preaching. <laughs> why not him? Had to get that in there. Uh. <laughs> Bring it back. So this is, what I, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. I, I, um, I'm not vulnerable by nature. I'm not transparent by nature. You guys have heard, many of you, have heard my testimony over the months. I've given you the deepest, darkest places of my, my life. Not so that you get up here and do the same, but so that you stop looking at yourself and saying that you can't and stop looking at others and saying that he can't. All I want you to see when I give my testimony is not to glorify these stupid things over here that I did. I don't even want you to focus so much on the testimony as I want you to focus on Jesus. Jesus is the testimony. I'm transparent so that you can see how dark it was for me. And, and, if, and if Jesus could do that with me, and you actually agree that I am ministering and that the Holy Spirit is working through me, if you're making that, if you're agreeing with me on that, then why not you and why not them, whoever them is? At some point, if you would have known me 10 years ago, it's crazy how this, the math works out because we're 10 years that this church has been here. If you would have actually known me 10 years ago, you would not listen to a word I had to say because I was them. If you would have known me 10 years ago, you probably wouldn't even allow me up here because I was them. You wouldn't believe that God could do the things that he's doing today through me because I was them. And so I offer myself as a sacrifice, like as a living testimony of what Jesus is able to do. None of this, I'm not that good of a preacher. I'm not. I'm not that good of a speaker. I'm an introvert by nature. Whatever you see up here, you're seeing Jesus talk to you using a vessel that's available. So if he can do it with me, he can do it with you, and he can do it with the dims in your life. Before I get off the stage, this is what I want you to, this is what I want you to do. See, me and Matt, we work really hard to make sure that the sermon lands on the song so that you know why you're singing the song you're about to sing. If not, it's just churchy church music, right? 
we're gonna sing these words that say, we will remember Jesus our Savior. Oh, just to know you when you're suffering, just to get closer to God through our suffering than we've ever been. But then there's this part where they say, this is our Savior, look at him, look at him. Our Christ Redeemer, look at him, look at him. I don't care what you take from this message except for that right there. When you walk out, will you look at Jesus first before you look at the flesh, before you value somebody based on the outside? When you walk out, look at people through the eyes of Jesus. Look at yourself through the eyes of Jesus. The boldness that you lack, the confidence that you lack is because you keep looking at you. I'm not confident in me. But when I look at Jesus, when I look at him, when I look at him, I can walk into any circumstance and believe that the same Jesus that used Paul and Barnabas and Simeon and Lucius and Manaean is the same Jesus that can use me. And he can use the ones that I even disagree with. So I'm, all I'm asking you to do today, I'm, the devil's sitting around saying great sermon, but if they don't do nothing with it, I still win. If you roll in your eyes at the message like it's just another gospel message, why do you think we keep preaching the gospel? So that you get it. My question is, when will you get it? When will it be more than head knowledge and you actually believe it right here? And it actually moves you to do something and go after the thems in your life. Because I can't reach them for you. And no other pastor here can reach them for you. It's you. You're the one with the relationship. You're the one with the, the rhythm and, and the similarities to whoever them are. That's why you keep seeing them to even call them them. So what are you going to do about it? Are we just going to have another great worship service, another great Sunday, and yay, this was great, and, and oh man, got me a message. And then back to seeing them on Monday. That's my fear, because that's what the enemy wants to do. So would you please stand up as I get ready to pray? All who are able to stand. And instead of letting this message just go in one, go in one ear and out the other, instead of just being another Sunday, like, can, can you start asking why not them instead of saying not them? And can you start looking at yourself and including yourself in that message, why not them, and saying, I'm looking at me when I say that? Because I don't think you understand the harvest is plenty, and it's just a matter of us believing. I'm, I'm tired, y'all. I'm tired of the same messages, not getting a response because we're just too, I don't know, prideful, too high and mighty, the holy huddle. Ain't y'all tired of the holy huddle? Ain't y'all tired of coming into a place where we proclaim all these things about what God is able to do in here, but then we go out there and we walk around like he can't do it. This might be a gut check for you, but it was a gut check for me. And I'm done. I'm done looking at people and not thinking he can do the impossible. I'm starting next week in Anderson. No, matter of fact, I'm starting today in my neighborhood. I'm dead serious, y'all, and you can call me out on it. But it, this, is, this is where I'm at. Like I said, I'm in the congregation with you on this message. I pray to God, I pray to God that you take this one serious, like you should take all of them, but this one in particular. And I pray when we sing these words, 
it means something to you because it means something to me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's have a blessed one.